Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 309 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis. Today, we're going to be talking about shoulder arthritis or adhesive capsulitis. We'll be going over the anatomical reasons for limited and painful shoulder range of motion. We'll be talking about how to clinically tease out one versus the other. We're going to discuss the differences in the treatment of each of them. And we'll also go over the importance of discussing the prognosis with patients and so much more. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs, and they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Welcome back, everyone. Yo, do we have a lot to talk about today. Now, remember this. I started OEP to help bring experience to the table, and that's what I'm going to try to do today. Um, You know, that might even include teaching you a little bit about a mistake that I made once with a patient, and um, hopefully that uh, you can learn from that mistake like I learned from that mistake, and I'll be bringing that to you a little bit later. But right now, let's jump right into adhesive capsulitis and glenohumeral arthritis. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the diagnoses of each of these. So first of all, you know, they pretty near had the same clinical presentation, limited active range of motion and in all ranges, um, and limited passive range of motion in all ranges also. Now, there is pain with the end range of motion for both of them. Both can respond well to an intraarticular injection given at the right time. They both have progressive onsets. Neither of them cause radicular signs or symptoms. So there are so many pieces to both of these that can make them look alike. So where are the pain generators here? Okay, if we're talking about adhesive capsulitis, there is this inflamed synovial tissue around the shoulder. Uh, When inflamed and when swollen um, can cause a lot of discomfort. I mean, I've seen these be so painful. You'd think people would have a broken shoulder. Um, They are so painful. Um, When it comes to arthritis, you need to be thinking about that intra-articular aspect of the joint. You know, when that hyaline cartilage breaks down, those nerve endings are exposed, um, and all that inflammation that's caused by all this can, can cause a lot of irritation and pain in the shoulder. Now, both of them um, can be agitated by soft tissue impingement, you know, like secondary to spurs, like a, a, a grade two or a grade three acromion, uh, or inappropriate glenohumeral kinematics, like the lack of humeral head depression uh, when you're trying to elevate the arm. You know, that can erode the superior glenoid labrum and break it down, and um, it can cause quite a bit of discomfort. Also, we see these folks have upper trapezius pain due to overuse elevating the arm, okay? So if they can't flex or abduct the uh, glenohumeral joint, they may shrug the shoulder a little bit to get that arm up in the air. And so we will see this with both of these folks. So how do we sort out if a patient has adhesive capsulitis or glenohumeral arthritis? Well, number one, age. 
Now, most oftentimes, your younger folks will be more likely to develop an adhesive capsulitis. And, and by younger folks, I, you know, I see these between 35 and 55 years old are most common. People that are older than that are more likely to have shoulder arthritis. Now, the youngest adhesive capsulitis patient I've ever seen was 33 years old. She was an occupational therapist, strained her bicep, her proximal bicep, kind of rested for three or four days and developed a full-blown adhesive capsulitis. And it took us a while to get her back on track, but she ended up doing really well. But she was 33 years old. This was a long time ago, so I wasn't asking all the questions that I ask now, which is number two. When we try to sort out adhesive capsulitis versus shoulder arthritis, you want to go through a very comprehensive history. Are they diabetic? We know that diabetics are at higher risk of developing adhesive capsulitis. Do they have a thyroid condition? Same thing. Um, there is a huge hereditary component to adhesive capsulitis. It's very likely that a family member has had it um, or um, you've had it you know, through your descendants. So there is a hereditary component more likely in adhesive capsulitis than in arthritis. Number three, I look for crepitus. Now, you've all heard my take on crepitus. I usually kind of downplay crepitus. So many people get wound up about it. Oh my gosh, my shoulder cracked. Um, but then they go to a chiropractor and they have a manipulation and they, they're like, oh, I just got such a great crack. So it's about identifying, you know, what is good, what is bad, and, and do they mean anything? And one thing that I have learned is that crepitus in a very stiff shoulder that looks like adhesive capsulitis is more likely to be arthritis, okay? And this is where I'm going to throw out this little example. And if you listen to episode 41, I talk about crepitus and um, crepitus throughout the body and different sources of crepitus, why we have it and should we worry about it and when, you know, when should we not worry about it? Um, but yeah, so I have this, this patient one time, he was 72 years old, great guy, comes in, severe shoulder pain, Never had an x-ray or any diagnostic imaging. He comes in, he's got the classic limited range of motion, both actively and passively in all positions. He has pain with all of the end ranges. He has a good rotator cuff integrity and um, just a very stiff shoulder. So I treat him for two visits doing, you know, some gentle passive range of motion, light stretching, um, a little upper body biking in a comfortable range. And each time he came in, he was progressively getting worse, which is something very rare, especially if somebody had adhesive capsulitis. They don't typically get worse with physical therapy if you do it right. But this guy was getting worse. So we sent him for an x-ray of his shoulder to find out that he had you know, complete loss of, of hyaline cartilage in the shoulder. He was bone on bone. He, and then he ended up with a total shoulder replacement, ended up doing really well. Okay. So he did not have an adhesive capsulitis. And really what gave this away was the crepitus in his shoulder. I do remember this very vividly because, you know, when you get it wrong, it really affects you and you really like worry about it and say, why did I do it? And how can I do it better next time? And uh, so I do very clearly remember a very clunky, type of crepitus in his shoulder. It's kind of like you're, like there were like rocks in his glenohumeral joint. And just, you know, you'd go over these little bumps and it would be a little painful, then he could get past it. And it was just kind of noisy that way. And that's really what made me tune into crepitus when I'm trying to sort out if it's frozen shoulder or um, arthritis in the shoulder. 
Now, number four, the next thing I look at is I look at the patient's hands. If they have Dupuytren's contractors, or if they even have difficulty extending the metacarpal phalangeal joint past maybe five degrees or so, and they're really stiff in the flexor tendons, I take that into consideration and throw that into the um, the group of adhesive capsulitis, okay? Because there is a correlation between Dupuytren's contractors and adhesive capsulitis, so I kind of take a look at that. Um, like I've said in, in some of my past episodes, uh, if I have somebody I'm working on their shoulder and I know they're going in for shoulder surgery, I will take a look at their fingers to see if they have a Dupuytren's contractor. And if they do, I'm more likely to try to encourage them to get into therapy early after surgery so they don't have too much time to stiffen up. And I'll even have a conversation with the orthopedic surgeon about that to see if we can kind of get them moving just a little bit earlier uh, so they don't tighten up too much. Number five, you can use Enfeel when you're assessing the shoulder, but you need to remember that each stage can present differently. So if you have a, an acute arthritic flare-up and or an early adhesive capsulitis, both of them can be an empty end field. They can both limit you because of pain. They may be very severely painful. But when you get into like the later stages of adhesive capsulitis, it's more of a tightness, springy type of end feel, whereas arthritis in the later stages will be more of a firm endpoint and also a painful endpoint. And uh, you'll get that, again, crepitus while you're using that. So if it's more springy, it's more likely to be um, adhesive capsulitis. But again, don't put too much weight into the end feel. You just have to kind of figure out what stage are they in uh, when they're going through this. Now, if you're having difficulty trying to sort this all out, get an x-ray of the shoulder. All right. And that is, uh, you know, it's very simple to do and it will rule out the arthritis. And, and if the arthritis is ruled out and the history matches with adhesive capsulitis, then you treat it as such. So how do we treat these differently? Well, if you want to, I did speak about shoulder arthritis in a couple episodes. So I think uh, episode 18 and 64, uh, I do some um, treatment and discussion about shoulder arthritis. And then as far as adhesive capsulitis, episodes 13 and 14 is a two-part series. I talk about how to identify adhesive capsulitis and how to treat it in two uh, separate episodes. So um, basically episodes 13, 14, 18 and 64. Check them out if you haven't already done so. Um, one of the things I do when I first start to treat them is I ask the question, are you osteoporotic? Have you been tested for osteoporosis? Or um, do you suspect that they might have complex regional pain syndrome? If so, you need to take the, you know, the bony integrity in, into consideration here, okay? So if you're stretching this shoulder and there's some restriction at the capsule and you're continuing to passively mobilize the shoulder, you need to you know, be careful that uh, you don't fracture that arm. The other thing you want to take into consideration is a proximal hand placement and good uh, positioning when you are stretching these patients out. It should, again, be low load, long duration. I mean, we used to stretch these folks pretty aggressively, especially adhesive capsulitis. And I mean, I can truly say I've even manipulated some in the clinic and um, they've all done well, but you need to really pick your patient um, before you do something like that. Not something I'd recommend anymore. I think that it's uh, better to get people relaxed, uh, and uh, we'll talk about other forms of treatment for this. But you know, you can't treat them quite the same. If you have somebody with arthritis, you want to make sure that if you're trying to gain flexibility with them and try to gain range of motion, it should be very slow, progressive stretch. 
but not so hard that it inflames them, okay? So if you stretch them lightly one day, and I would just do that. I wouldn't really add much more to it, you know, if you just want to identify how they respond. I would just do some nice passive range of motion, maybe some joint mobilization. And the next time they come in, ask them, how long did the pain linger? Or did it? Or did you feel better? Did you notice an improvement in range of motion? Um, tell me how you felt after you were here last time is usually how I put it. Um, so I don't put any words into their mouths. And if they come to me and they say, you know what, I was sore for like you know two or three days. I couldn't sleep at night. You really need to be thinking that this is more arthritic. You don't want to inflame that too much. So what you should do in, in that instance is focus on maximizing their strength in the range that they have. So maybe they don't want to have a total shoulder replacement. Maybe they're not a candidate for a total shoulder replacement. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe their bone integrity is not good for that. Um, and so there are many reasons why people can't have a replacement. And if they have to deal with the shoulder that they're given and it is super arthritic and it's painful, try to make them as strong as possible in the range that they have. Maybe we start with four position isometric exercises, okay? So internal, external rotation, flexion, extension, and we just work on isometrics. Maybe it's laying on your back, doing alphabet spelling, maybe some light proprioceptive activity, and then, you know, ultimately working in some isotonic exercise in a limited range, okay? So don't go to a point where they hit the end of that, their, their end feel and it's very painful and they start compensating. Now, if you have adhesive capsulitis, you know, gaining range of motion is very possible. Most people with adhesive capsulitis get better. We know this statistically over a two-year period. People with frozen shoulders will get better, even if nobody touches them or does anything with them. Doesn't mean that they will get all their motion back, but their pain level will decrease. So I generally stretch these folks nice and lightly. I'll do some mobilization, but then I really start to maximize the rotator cuff strength and postural strength um, in the range that they have and even try to get them to go to their end range actively. We've seen some pretty good results with that. I know the literature um, really is driving in that direction. Adding PNF patterns um, to that can be uh, very helpful also. And if they are diabetic or if they have a thyroid problem, getting those under control, you know, getting those to stop fluctuating and maybe getting on the right medication can really help. And I've seen this help people before. Um, I've seen people who uh, we know that that uh, women, perimenopausal women, are at higher risk of developing adhesive capsulitis and a lot of pain associated with it. And I've seen people go on, you know, estrogen replacement and start to feel better and start to gain range of motion better. Um, but I, I'm not an endocrinologist and it's hard to have those conversations with some of those folks sometimes because they just, you know, may not see the association between the two of them. But I think there really is so much room for research in regards to adhesive capsulitis. But nonetheless, you know, the, the, the last thing I want to talk about here are expectations for each of them. I think it's very important to talk to these patients and say, all right, you have an arthritic shoulder, okay? The arthritis will not go away. What we're going to try to do here is we're going to try to maximize the environment around that arthritic shoulder to make you as strong as possible, to make you as functional as possible, okay? So 
How do we modify maybe your environment instead of having um, bowls that you use all the time on a really high shelf? You put them on a shelf that is shoulder height or chest height. Um, you take the heavier items and put them chest height and the lighter items are going to be higher and lower. You know, little simple things like that can really be life changing for people if they're not re aggravating that shoulder all the time. You can talk to them if they are candidates for a, a shoulder arthroplasty, you know, or a standard shoulder arthroplasty or reverse total shoulder replacement. Um, you know, th these are potential sur surgeries that can help decrease your pain and maximize your function. I used to always tell patients, you know, if you, the reason you have a, re uh, a shoulder replacement is to decrease your pain. And if you gained range of motion, that was icing on the cake. But now, like with reverse total shoulder replacements, almost everybody gains range of motion. Like everybody does better. Um, it's amazing. And I love it because it's just been, you know, the reverse total shoulder has just really helped with the functional part of people's lives so much better. Um, and then if I'm talking to that person with adhesive capsulitis, you know, you tell them this is, this could be a very long process. It should get better. It can take up to one to two years to get better, but, you know, it should improve. I also tell people it's unlikely you're going to get this again on the same side. I very, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of adhesive capsulitis patients, and I can truly say that maybe one or two of those folks got it on the same side they usually will end up getting it on the opposite side or not get it again. It's kind of interesting. Um, and and I think what happens is uh, they seem to recognize the second go around a little bit faster and start to mobilize themselves a little bit better. And uh, they seem to kind of, you know, cut, cut it off at the pass uh, a little bit earlier. So uh, I, I think that's kind of what I'm seeing right now with those. Now, if your adhesive capsulitis patient just isn't getting anywhere, you know, there are many other options to improve, you know, if your conservative management isn't working, like manipulation under anesthesia, which I've seen very good success with uh, in the past. There is now pneumohydrodilation, so they'll put a little catheter in inside the capsule of the shoulder, and they'll push some, you know, some liquid in there and some air, and basically pop that capsule and expand it, and uh, basically... Uh, distend it so it helps to move better and, and a little bit faster. We've seen some good results with that. And um, there's also the arthroscopic lysis of adhesions uh, where you go in and remove a lot of those adhesions. And then uh, the key here is immediately after any of these procedures, it's you got to move them. Otherwise, they're going to scar back down again. So uh, right from the time they wake up, we really should be mobilizing these patients and having them you know, on a home exercise program four or five times a day, mobilizing the arm and then being in therapy. You know, I usually, I usually say five days a week for two weeks um, really helps to keep what they have because once they lose it, it's hard to get it back. Um, so I, you know, I think the most important point to today's uh, episode is to differentiate between the two, between adhesive capsulitis and um arthritis of the shoulder. You want to manage them a little bit differently. They can look like each other, but take the extra time to tease them out and you'll have much better success evaluating them and then giving them some sort of a management program. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, you'll be very successful with that. So again, check out those episodes that uh, I mentioned earlier that'll help to, you know, dive into each of those diagnoses just a little bit better. So I hope you enjoyed today's show, folks. Thank you again for listening. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.